You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 92 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchotts and this is the show for April 2021. Joining me today I have a fabulous panel who are actually by coincidence all from the United States I've just realised. But we are gender (laughs) balanced which is nice. So uh, my first guest is the wonderful Linda Goucher from the Silicon Valley Mac Users Group. Hi Linda. Hello Bart, happy to be here. Delighted to have you. And strangely enough, it's one of those three months where Apple tell us how much money they made and you're here. How could that possibly happen, huh? It happens. It happens. Um, I don't know where in the United States he is, but also joining us is Chuck Joyner from Mac Voices. Hi, Chuck. How are you doing, Bart? I was not aware that my gender needed to be balanced. (laughs) (laughs) Everything in balance, Chuck. Everything. (laughs) Words to live by. Indeed. And also joining us for the first time in a while from the Mac Observer is Kelly Gamont. Hi, Kelly. Hey, glad to be here bringing balance to the force. Ooh, I knew you'd go there, especially the day we're on the eve of May the 4th. You know, tomorrow's Star Wars Day. Of course, I have to say something. Yes, indeed. Um, I have a friend who who had a, a, a child expected on May the 4th, and he was extremely disappointed when the young chap showed up a day early. Extremely disappointed. (laughs) Anyway, we have ourselves one heck of a lot of Apple news to talk about. So let us get stuck in with some follow-ups of long-running stories. Um, Just a very quick update on the fact that we still have a pandemic. Um, There's someone trying to sue Apple, claiming that it's antitrust to have rules around COVID apps. Apple has asked the judge to dismiss the case, or rather Apple have filed a motion to have the case dismissed. Fingers crossed on that one. Um, Apple is starting a study. They're looking for volunteers to see if the Apple Watch can detect COVID-19. It's kind of an interesting piece of research. And uh, sadly, Apple stores in Michigan are all closed because of a surge in COVID-19. Meanwhile, in the Better News column, Apple have extended the in-app purchase exemption for group events through all of 2021. So this is where if you use, um, say, Facebook's events feature, all the money for the event goes to the event organizer, you know, the person doing the yoga lessons or whatever. None of it goes to Apple, which is great. Um, Apple are then launching a COVID-19 vaccination effort to get their own staff vaccinated and Apple will donate to support India through their current COVID crisis. Is there anything there that needs particular attention drawn to it or do I carry on, folks? I think we're good. I think carry on. Speaks Uh, for itself. It kind of does, doesn't it? And at this stage of the pandemic, I don't think we need to dwell. We're all all waiting for it to be sodded off. (laughs) Anyway. Um, we found out some news that I wasn't expecting ever to find out. So many years ago now, there was a terrorist event in San Bernardino. The FBI got the guy's iPhone. They got someone to break into it, and the whole planet assumed it was Celebrite. And Celebrite never told us otherwise. Well, thanks to some reporting from the Wall Street Journal, we now know that actually it wasn't Celebrite. They were just happy to say nothing. It was actually an Australian company called Azimuth, who were apparently very publicity shy. So there's a data point. Um, another 
data point. Uh, a few months ago now, there was literally a riot in a Wistron factory in India because the company had expanded at scale quite quickly and didn't seem to manage to expand things like payroll at the same rate. And so workers got extremely angry Ooh. and rioted. Um, they have done a major overhaul of how they operate their factory, believe it or not. Um, so anyway, that's, I guess, a good outcome. All right. Uh, Parler are coming back to the App Store. Apple say they have made sufficient reform to their moderation policy to have another go. Um, I imagine they're on a short leash, but back they are. (laughs) Meanwhile, most of the planet continues to point its antitrust telescope in Apple's direction. Russia have (laughs) fined Apple 12 million uh, US dollars uh, for... Antitrust stuff related to Kaspersky and their parental control features, which Apple blocked a bunch of parental control apps in preparation for new APIs, which coincided with their parental control stuff. The Russian government assumed malice and charged Apple 12 million. Apple will appeal. Australia has basically told Apple either change how your app store works, uh, particularly around default apps, or we may get interested in regulating you and forcing you. Uh, Meanwhile, the French authorities are very concerned that um, Apple Pay and Google Pay, they might influence banks. They might might be competition for banks. And I'm thinking, is that not a feature? But apparently it's a bug. Um, So (laughs) French authorities are cranky. Uh, Probably the most significant story of the month is that the European Commission has made a preliminary finding that Apple's 30% cut is anti-competitive against rival music providers. Spotify, being a European company, brought the case, and Spotify were like, well, it's very unfair that Apple don't pay a 30% commission, and we have to if we want to take money. Uh, And the commission have agreed with that in principle. So the way this works is that the commission now go talk to Apple. So it's not like a judgment. It's like, uh, yeah, we think there's merit here, so they're off to talk to Apple about a remedy. So we no idea how that will pan out, apart from slowly if European stuff is anything to go by. (laughs) Crossing the Atlantic, then, the US House Committee has approved a report on big tech, which basically says to split it all up. Um, Not entirely sure you could pass a law to say the sky is blue, so I don't know how scared to be of that. But anyway, the House Committee has approved the report from the committee. And uh, (laughs) there was a hearing in Congress, uh, and people are decrying Apple's stranglehold on iPhone software. Any any thoughts on any of those? I imagine there might be actually. The, the, the... I have some. Yeah. Yeah. We're, go for it. Um, yeah. Um, the tech, all of the tech companies, all the big tech companies are under scrutiny from both the Republican and the Democratic side of the aisle here in the U.S. And um, the, the scrutiny is pretty intense. That said, of the four big tech companies, you know, Facebook, Al- uh, Alphabet, Amazon, and Apple that are under scrutiny or under the most scrutiny, the other three, Facebook, Amazon, actually probably in that order, Facebook, Amazon, and Google are under far more scrutiny than Apple is. And Apple is doing what they can to make themselves look unlike the other three. So um, it's going to take a long, long time, in my opinion, before anything at all happens. And things will happen with respect to the other three companies before they happen to Apple. That's Linda's prediction. You can uh, uh, come back and harass me about it if, it, if it's 
wrong in any way. <laughs> um, looking at it from the outside in, and I'm hoping, since we have three Americans, I'm hoping if I'm wrong on this, at least one of you will stop me. But sort of my reading of it is that there is agreement on both sides of the aisle that something is wrong and something should be done. But there is massive mm-hmm. disagreement on what is wrong and what should be done. That's correct. Exactly. Yeah, that says it well. Yeah. There, there's a there's a unanimous uh, shaking of fists, basically. Uh, something should happen. Is, yes. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then whoever you press, like however many people you ask about what it is that should be done, that's how many different approaches you will discover people think need to happen. And it depends on all kinds of different things, like where they rank along the axis of like practicality and idiocy i think is probably the word to be be fair technical knowledge in some cases they simply don't have the technical knowledge but the Mm -hmm. other part is i mean there are genuine differences of opinion about what should and shouldn't be called fair competition and and, uh, i'm i'm less cynical than you are kelly i i i believe many of these people are sincere in their beliefs i might not agree with their beliefs uh, I basically don't put a lot of faith in the understanding. And the reason I say that is because my senator, one of my two senators is Ron Wyden, who is very technologically adept and aware and understands the impact of saying things about technology or suggesting changes in how things should be regulated. Yeah, and he's so one he's one yes, of the very best. And that's why I that's why I can feel strongly about this, because I have a senator who's really on top of some of these things. So I listen to my senator talk about things a lot. And when I hear other people talk about them and realize that they don't have a fundamental understanding, for example, that Apple and Facebook by and large are not in the same business. Um, Like if you can't get that far, like I I don't take seriously a lot of other things that you're telling me about big tech, you know? Yeah. That's where I'll disagree with you. I don't think most of the senators or, or house members uh, don't realize that. I know that there probably are one or two. Um, yeah, but, I, I but don't every time we every time we get a hearing and they they haul a big tech person in front of some sort of congressional hearing, we get somebody who wants tech support for their iPhone or somebody who asks the head of Microsoft why Google search results on right. Windows are showing right. what they're showing, I, I and so. That's also who the media covers. They don't cover those that right. ask the intelligent questions. Right. So, say, when, so the staffers, when the staffers get to ask the questions in the hearings, the questions are a lot more perceptive. Agreed. Yes. And and I'm somewhere in between. I, I, I hear what Kelly's saying. I hear what Linda's saying. I think that the, the level of tech know-how is not what it, we would like to see it. I think it's probably better than terrible, but I'm not sure it's great. But the thing I, that... I break it down a little bit differently. I think there's a there's a difference between what is considered good behavior and bad behavior, or good behavior and acceptable behavior, and that's there it is. That's, that's where a lot of this is. Because you know, yes, I, I obvious to obvious to us and obvious to a lot of people, Facebook and Apple are not in the same business, but there's this perception that somehow they kind of are. Well, they're and technology companies, and they make money. They must be the same joke. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a lot of press coverage out there, though, uh, emphasizing the the fight between the two of them. I've seen a number of articles. Yes. Um, So so a lot of people get that. But I think Chuck's got it. People disagree about what exactly 
is antitrust. And you don't have to be a tech company. You can be selling uh, mm-hmm. whatever, like me, yeah. you can do anything to do antitrust. And it's the antitrust focus that I think is greater than the emphasis on tech. Mm-hmm. As I understand it, historically, antitrust was about harm to customers in general. And a more recent interpretation is that the only harm that matters is financial harm. Therefore, if stuff is free, it can't be antitrust. That is, that's one way of looking at it. But let me just say, Elizabeth Warren, who was a very, very bright Harvard professor, former Harvard professor, uh, senator, people may not, and I often do not agree with her political views, but her point is that if you own the platform and you have apps competing on that same platform, then there's something wrong from an anti-competitive standpoint. Which is what you are focusing on, right? That's that's what um, the commission have just gotten cranky with Apple about. Exactly, exactly. And that's the point about Apple. But also Amazon does that. Google does that. Microsoft does that. And they don't get any flack for it, at least haven't so far. So, so there, but, but I see her point, which is not to say that I disagree with it. But I get how you can say if you're... Uh, if you have got uh, GarageBand on your platform and you and your there's other people who are doing the similar work on that same platform that are on your platform and you own the platform, I get the point. That's 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 it. Elizabeth Warren is flat out wrong. Period. <laughs> I don't agree. We have End a different sense. agreement or a different because, understanding of that, but okay. But because I just I I don't I don't understand why. <sighs> Why, if I'm in business A, that I can tell, uh, okay, so if if you run an insurance agency, am I obligated to say, yeah, you know, I sell this company's insurance, but you can also buy it right across the street over there? That's not that, – no, well, that's, that's not the, the – Right, so the issue, Chuck, is, is with an app store that you run as the only app store that is allowed and you are also a competitor selling a competing product, but you're selling it for 30% less because you're not charging yourself commission like you charge everyone else. That is, that but is I'm running different. this. But I'm I'm running the store. I have I so I have a right to charge what I want, and I have a right to price what uh, price, as long as I'm being consistent with the other people. Then if if there if they were if there was somebody saying that um, that a, a podcast app was so much superior to Apple's podcast app, and that because it it was so superior, let's say it's Linda's podcast app that is so superior to Apple's that they're going to charge her that they're, they're going to require her to pay fifty percent more to be in the store, whereas Kelly, whose podcast app is is a little better but not as quite as good. Okay, Kelly, you can be here, but for thirty percent, then That's you have a problem. That's not the issue. It's it's going back to the insurance agency thing. It's as if you are you're representing a bunch of different agencies. You're representing USAA, Allstate, uh, and uh, State Farm, and you also you know because that's your, it's your platform, and you also have your own entry on your own platform competing with those other three. But again, I'm swearing two hats at the same time, Chuck. You're playing in the match, and you're the referee. I uh, Bart, I don't see it that way because uh, look, okay, so I have an app in the store, but I also am running the store, right? Everybody, right. yes, okay. yes. But I have the cost of running the store. I built the store. You guys would not be able to sell your apps in my store if my store didn't exist. That's and correct. That's, that's the problem. I 
That's the problem I have with it. Apple has the overhead. Apple Apple is expected to maintain the distribution network, and and as a developer, I'm paying Apple for that. And I think um, now the amount we can argue over the amount later, but well, you know, that's that's well, no, the part that I, I think. I, I I'm not sure you can argue about later. That's actually where the problem runs, right? So I'm going to put my European hat on. So the reason the European Union are in the process of drafting a law that says that if you're in the position you're describing, where you are in the game and running the shop, then you must provide extra transparency so that we can be assured it's a fair shop. So they're not saying you may not. They're not saying you must charge X or Y. They're saying you must be transparent about your decisions. So why was this app rejected? Why was that app rejected? You know, why are your prices the way they are? And well, if you're transparent, then you can continue to wear both hats, which you must be transparent. So that's where Europe is heading. And I, we've we've seen this, though, haven't we? Like we've seen before, like when uh, I am not going to remember who it was. It's been a, a really long time ago, but somebody put out their own podcasting app. I don't remember who it was and it was like an alternative to the one that Apple was giving people and it got rejected from the app store and it was, you know, similar functionality to something that's already in the store or something. And they appealed it and like the, you know, the, the rejection sort of collapsed. And like anytime we've seen something like this where um, it clearly looks like Apple is doing something untoward, it seems like the appeal always collapses and it doesn't always get the attention. I've seen, like, I've talked personally to developers who were like, yeah, I appeal, you know, that got no press. Like, I put out a thing that allows you to record music with your phone, just like GarageBand, and I got bounced for similar functionality and I appealed it and they let me in the store. And, like, those sorts of things, whenever we see them, it seems like, uh, the bulk of what we've seen in that can be attributed to human error. And it's not Apple saying no one else can make a podcast app because we have one. We've got it covered. And and that may, what you have just described may very well be what happens. It's not from, again, going back to Elizabeth Warren, she is not saying that they shouldn't be able to do both. She's saying that could be emphasized could be anti-competitive. So if Apple I mean, again, I'm just speaking for as I understand her perspective. If Apple can show that the competition is fair, then there won't be a problem. So they're right. just looking at it at this point. It's just it, it could come out very well in a similar fashion to what Bart is talking about, and perhaps not even getting into the nitty gritty of because I, I they are not. I guarantee you, it's not going to happen that they get into the nitty gritty of an app by app process. That ain't going to happen. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, but but if Apple is if Apple rejects an app, I mean I I I do agree that I should be told why my app is rejected, whether it's it features pornography or whether it yeah. violates uh, privacy concerns or it's collecting data. I mean I should be told you know and and I'm not sure that I need I sh- I'm required to be given a roadmap as to how to fix it, but I should be told this is the guideline that it violates. This yeah. is what happened. Yeah. And, and then, and then after that, everything should go away because if if that's what Elizabeth Warren's position is, and I've not heard it stated that way, Linda, um, then I I don't have a problem with that because yes, I don't think they should be allowed just to keep anybody out for any reason, but to overlook the fact that you know they they run the store just no, they, okay, so, yeah, no, I, I, I want to move us on in a sec, but just to say, there's a difference between 
raising a concern that this is a place that needs scrutiny and prescribing a specific solution. Because I like to be to be honest, I agree with Elizabeth Warren's diagnosis of the problem. I disagree vehemently with her proposed solution to the problem, which is break them all up. Yeah. Yeah. I could get with that. Yeah. And I would say I'm not sure that she's saying break them all up. She was when she was running for president. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Happily. She was, she was, she, oh, did she crow about that when she was running for president? Right. Not, well, I think Apple was a less concern then, but let's go. Yeah. Let's move on. Well, she, oh, yeah, you're right. Actually, she was very, 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 very Facebooky when she was running for president. I'm sorry, not Facebooky, the opposite, anti Facebooky. Right. Um, yes. Anyway, yes. Um, that was supposed to be one of our quick follow-up stories. It's, fun- it's funny how that one gets people going, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, moving on, this is now the third month of it. I, I, I'm too new to this media thing to have realised this was going to happen, because I think I made it a main story two months ago that, oh, it's award season and Apple's getting lots of recognition. And then last month I spent 20 minutes reading out all the extra nominations and now I get to do it again. So I think lesson learned for next year. Don't talk about award season till month three. And then make it a main story. There you go. So anyway, Apple TV Plus got recognized, but didn't win an award technically at the Glad Media Awards. Um, an episode called The Sun of Little America got special recognition, whatever that means. I am going to put my Irish hat on and with great pride say that Wolf Walkers took all five of the Annie Award nominations it was nominated for. And I say thoroughly bloody well deserved. One of the best things to come out of Ireland this last while love it <laughs> it was lovely i enjoyed it um uh one of the things we talked about over on charlotte henry's podcast media plus was um when the wolf walkers like it was nominated for an oscar mm. and we were like if it'd been up against if it hadn't been up against soul it was gonna it win. probably would have won like if it'd been against onward it totally would have taken that category so yeah it was just that uh soul's a really good movie as well so it's good yeah. to be nominated for an oscar and if you lose out to a great movie i don't think that's too bad obviously I yeah no shame in that game yeah. for sure yeah uh, servant and greyhound took home awards in the 68th golden reel awards i haven't heard of the previous 67 of them but i heard about this one thanks to <laughs> Apple. of course greyhound and servant also won motion picture sound editors awards i don't remember the sound being that great but i'm sure it was uh, as we've already mentioned, Soul beat picks beat out Wolfwalkers for the Oscar and uh, BAFTA nominations. Three of them going Apple's way for Little America, Earth at Night in Colour and Tiny World. So we shall wait and see what the Brits have to say. But uh, they're up for awards. Okay. And then it seems like forever we've been talking about someday iOS 14.5 is going to come out. Well, that day has arrived. We can now unlock our watches uh, with our watch while wearing a face mask. Yay. And app tracking transparency has gone from sweaty nightmare of Facebook to actual reality. Um, So we shall see what happens. Um, Apple have made it very clear that you cannot incentivize people to enable tracking and you certainly cannot disable your app unless they do. There's also a very fun interview slash piece by Joanna Stern where she spends a lot of the piece talking <laughs> with Craig Federici in a wonderfully lighthearted way. Uh, Craig was very, very sporting of him to take part. It, it was fun. <laughs> I will point out one of the questions that she asked him was, 
Does Tim Cook call you Hair Force One? She did ask him that, I know, and he took it in his stride. I mean, (laughs) right out there in the open for everyone. And it, so like, it's very much that, like, if you want to know what flavor of interview it was, it's that flavor of interview. It was, you know, a lot more PR ish than it was. There's, there are nuggets of of actual information in there. Like, he explains app tracking transparency in like 8.2 seconds or something. 8.69. Oh, she times him. Yeah, she, she times him. Because he says, um, I'll do it in eight seconds. And she says, mm, 8.69. Yeah, I have a, yeah, she's like, I have a stopwatch. I'll time you. And uh, so you do get some information from it, but it's also very much Joanna Stern. So. Kelly, what was his answer about Hair Force One? It, sadly, no. Oh. Yeah, like, that's what um, I, I mean, now, he doesn't call him that. That doesn't mean that's not his nickname in Tim Cook's phone. So that he says, hey, lady. Hey, S lady, text Hair Force One. Got it. Very good. So I'm holding, that's my personal headcanon with this question is like, yeah, that's my nickname in his phone, but that's not what he calls me in person. So that definitely showed Uh, up on stage in the contact card, but who was the presenter? Was it Eddie Q or was it Tim Cook was presenting? I think it was Eddie. So Eddie might well call him Hair Force One all the time. That's entirely possible. Yeah. That just seems such a bulky name. I mean, I I I, I can see him saying, you know, "Well, when Tim your name Cook's is saying, Craig, yeah, like, yeah, how but, do I mean, you just, nickname you that? Just, you know, you just say, hey, hair.' And <laughs> hey, that's see? good. Nobody else in the room is going to answer <laughs> except him. So unless I'm yeah. in that room, well, you can yeah, also just call true. him the face. I mean, he always reminds me a little bit of anyway. <laughs> right. Um, moving us on to legal latest. Um. We won't spend too long here. Um, Apple have won a new trial against a patent troll. Um, Basically, the judge in Texas, of all places, basically went, yeah, those LTE standards required patents. I don't think the jury were adequately allowed to consider fair, reasonable and non-discriminatory FRAND conditions. So uh, let's have a do over. So good, because that's kind of been my point for quite some time, that if you're going to sue Apple over LTE patents, you have to offer FRAND first. So I'm glad that gets Mm -hmm. a do over. Um, Apple filed a motion to dismiss a case being brought that the word buy is deceptive in iTunes content. And uh, the judge went, actually, no, that's not on its face definitely wrong. That is going to trial. So we will find out whether or not Apple Mm. can call it buying when you don't really own it. Um, I think an interesting one for our time. Indeed. And then, of course... Apple v. Epic, as we speak today, today is Monday the 3rd of May, today is the day that the Apple v. Epic case has started in a courtroom in America with only six people from each side physically in the courtroom at the same time, controversially all wearing masks, but the witnesses get to wear transparent ones so we can see if they're lying apparently. Anyway, lots and lots of drama, expected to take weeks. So really, I'm more setting this up than anything else. Um... Both companies have laid out their legal arguments in various filings. Um, Apple had uh, requested some pre-trial sanctions against Epic because they said they were not doing witness disclosure correctly. The judge went, no, Epic didn't break the rules, so Apple were denied that. Epic had wanted to call Facebook's gaming chief and Apple had wanted them not to. And for reasons that aren't quite clear to me... It ain't happening, but I don't know if that's because Apple won something or because Epic lost something, but either way, it ain't happening. Um, Apple apparently gave a little bit more away in disclosure than they meant to. They accidentally, they quote, inadvertently sent on a whole bunch of extra email about their small business program, 
which uh, is a bit egg on the facey, but there we go. Um, in and very interesting related move, Epic have said, no, Microsoft, you can't offer Fortnite on your xCloud service because that way it could get on the iPhone. And <laughs> somehow they want to say that Apple are make, Apple have a monopoly, but don't put it on the iPhone the other way because that will somehow disprove we have a monopoly. That one makes me a bit suspicious. Um, Microsoft yeah. and since Ep- they had no issue with it being on xCloud, I'm I'm very curious how that's okay. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it's a monopoly until it's not. I don't know. Yeah, that that, that is my take on it too. Yeah, it's it's, it's monopoly except when it's not. Um, Microsoft have followed Epic's example and they're boosting the revenue share on their gaming platform to eighty eight percent. I keep thinking Back to the Future, but that's just me. <laughs> Um, and then I, I some really good analysis of what to look out for in the case. Um, there's links in the show notes. Ars Technica have a good article. A Protocol have a good article. And The Verge, I think, lay it out pretty well. The Verges basically say there are three key questions here. Is the exclusive app store a necessary part of iOS? How is the iPhone different from a PlayStation? Which I think really gets to the number of things. And how much control can Apple exert over its hardware? So ultimately, at the end of this month, we'll have a much better idea what's going on. Um, so lots of links in the show notes for anyone who would like to warm their brain up for all the news that's going to come pouring out over the next three or four weeks. Anything anyone feels we need to say on this show before the trial? Good. I want, Bart, I want to say that this is probably the, the best um, <laughs> aggregation of articles and analysis Aww. that I've seen. This is, oh, this yes. is really nice. So folks, if, you've, if you're interested in this, go to the show notes because this is terrific. Uh, this I is just want to... Yeah, I it, really mean it, that part. It's a great list. Um, I want to point out that um, one of the things that is interesting about Apple being in court is the stuff that ends up becoming public. Um, emails, emails between between executives, um, emails to other companies, uh, things like that that we don't normally get to see. So even if you're not super interested, like even if you don't care about Fortnite, you don't care about playing games on your phone, whatever. Um, even if you have no dog in this fight, it might be worth casually keeping an eye on it, just because of just because this is one of the few opportunities that we get as you know, people outside the infinite loop um, to to get a peek at anything and the way it actually operates with an Apple. And it sometimes is illuminating to get that information. So that's all is just sometimes uh, stuff becomes part of public record that we wouldn't otherwise get to see. And this is one of the few opportunities we have at that. That was one of the features of the forever, never, ever, ever, ever ending Apple v. Samsung case. There was a lot of stuff came out, both in disclosure (laughs) and in evidence in that case. So much. Yes. Okay. Oh, sorry. One more very quick thing. I just want to second what Chuck said about your show notes in, in this specific case, but also in general for any listeners out there who want to dig in further. This is an excellent source. Bart really does do an excellent job on all the show notes. It's a good thing this is not a video podcast. I'm bright red and blushing. The Irish do not take compliments, just just to say. But thank you. Well, you're going to take them this time, Bart. Like it or not. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to like it. You just have to take it. Yeah. Sir, yes, sir. 
Moving on to <laughs> Apple HR and acquisition news. Um, Apple TV Plus have hired a bunch of new executives for their non-scripted content, specific, specifically Erica Clark from Spotify Studios and uh, Colleen Grogan, who was formerly from Lifetime. So they seem like pretty big names. Uh, Spotify, you say? Yeah, Awkward. Spotify Studios, as opposed to Spotify Music. So, <laughs> subtly different. And actually, you're right. That is an interesting hire, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the other side of the revolving door, then, uh, Diego Rao, Apple's head of, sorry, head of engineering for Apple Retail. So I guess he engineers desks. Anyway, whatever he did, <laughs> he doesn't anymore. He is off to Eli Lilly. Meanwhile, if you would All like right. to join this rotating door, Apple have a new website called Careers at Apple. So we can all keep an eye out there if we like. All right. I think we can probably, yeah, I don't think there's much more to say about that. And also just a few very quick updates from Apple services land. We have lots more news to come. Uh, but Apple TV, sorry, Apple Music TV, which is like MTV when I was a kid, it was a, it's a TV channel with music on it. And strangely enough, MTV seems to be distinctly lacking in music these days. But this is this is actual music. <laughs> so that was a US only thing. It is now also available in the United Kingdom and Canada. I still can't play along, but whenever Ireland gets a go, I will enjoy it because I actually like music. Um, Apple are also doing uh, music city charts. So you can see what's hot in the nearest big city to you. And I thought this was going to be America only. And then I started reading through the list and I saw places like Beijing. And it's like, well, I'm not great at geography, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that's not in the United States. It, it can confirm. Can confirm. Um, there's a bunch of uh, interesting cities in that list. It's really fun. I enjoy that very much. Um, I have a free Spotify account and I occasionally like to browse the charts from other countries. So having the other cities in Apple Music is also the, the same sort of thing, like what's popular there. And it's kind of fun to check out. Yeah. And I strangely, I used to think it was silly when Netflix sent me an email saying what's popular in Ireland. But, you know, something there actually are cultural similarities between, you know, the Irish and it actually is a genuinely interesting list because it tends to pick out stuff that isn't going to be charting in America. So mm -hmm. uh, you're right. I think it is actually a valuable feature, even if my initial impulse was to scoff. I, I take it back. <laughs> Meanwhile, Apple TV Plus has the highest average IMDb score of the streaming services making their own content. So they may not be making the most revenue yet, and they may—they certainly don't make the most content, but they seem to be good at it, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, I liked the—we talked about this a bit over on Daily Observations, because one of the other things that was notable in this list was uh, the other sorts of, like, quantifying they were trying to do. Like, we're doing anything we can to try and measure. So the average IMDb score was one of the things. Uh, the percentage of, like, 4K... And ultra high definition content was another thing that they were uh, talking about. And it's interesting uh, to see how they were looking for ways to put parameters around this stuff and sort of feel how people are competing, how these different services are competing with each other. Interesting. Okay, well, I'm going to jump us into our main stories for the month. We have four of them to digest our way through. Uh, they're not in chronological order. Um, I sort of put them in the order where I think the, the quickest ones at the start and then we leave ourselves whatever amount of time we have left for the most fun one. So the first story <laughs> is I just want to talk a little bit about Earth Day because Apple seemed to be making that a bigger and bigger deal every year. And they certainly did plenty of press and stuff this year. 
Uh, Apple mm-hmm. then went ahead and opened their Find My Network as our second story, which is going to be a little bit short because it features again in story four. Uh, story three, then, is the Q2 2021 earnings call, where I am relieved to have Linda to hold my hand. And uh, then we will talk about the spring-loaded event where Apple just unleashed a cannon of new products, just like, <laughs> poof, everywhere. <laughs> Lots of stuff to get for us to get stuck into, but let us start with Earth Day. So Apple, as usual, spotlighted a whole bunch of Earth Day related stuff on Apple TV, on podcasts, was an Apple Watch challenge uh, and lots more stuff. But I have to say my favorite thing they did for Earth Day was to release a new David Attenborough documentary on Apple TV Plus, The Year Earth Changed. Um, it was the most popular unscripted product on Apple's platform, and uh, I, I was one of those views, and I was very impressed that Apple are funding this kind of program making. We we watched it too, and boy, it is really nice. Very, very good. Attenborough's always wonderful to listen to anyway, just his voice, but uh, it's a very, very good show. Meanwhile, uh, Apple have said they will back President Biden's climate plans and they are calling for the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, to basically to get emissions disclosures. So as part of your financial filings, you know, we we made this much profit, this much loss, this much revenue and this much CO2. Um, interesting idea. The theory being hedge funds, etc., can choose to offer green funds for people to invest in but in order to do that you need to know what is and isn't green that's the logic if you if you don't measure it you can't act on it uh apple have also said that they're going to spend 200 million us dollars on carbon removal initiatives and i had these visions of some sort of carbon scrubbing thing to put carbon back in the ground which is kind of true they're called trees um, <laughs> Yeah, A lot less sci-fi than what I had in my head. But anyway, that is one of the things they're funding. Um, And then they have released their 2021 Environmental Progress Report, which I am going to summarise as, we're on target to meet our ambitious goals. That's basically what I got out of that report. Uh, Anything, am I being too... Yeah, basically, anyone feel free to disagree, agree, say more, say less, chime in. That's basically it. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I mean, these kind of initiatives are good business. That's all there is to it. They're they're good for the planet. They're good business, and Apple does, I think, a masterful job of, of of not of of making it part of their culture, but not being too preachy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a lot easier to say, "Do as I do, not do as I say." Right. So Apple kind of it's just an easier position to be in to preach at people when you're doing it instead of just saying what everyone else should do. It's a bit of a luxury, although. Clearly, um, uh, Mrs. Jackson, Lisa Jackson, has no fear of heights because she is forever on that bloody roof. (laughs) Indeed. I do slightly envy her the view and the weather, if I'm completely honest. Beautiful here. It's beautiful. Indeed. Yeah. You don't want to see the weather I had today. Um, I'll put it to you this way. I ran out of waterproof jackets. They're all hanging over all the chairs in the sitting room. (laughs) All the chairs. Sounds like here, Bart. Okay, so the whole of America isn't California. Noted. No, it's Silicon Valley. It is not. Yeah. No, I have very, I have very Irish weather here. Oh, well, I guess it means it's green instead of brown. Anyway, the second yeah. big thing Apple did, and I think everyone basically went, ah, well, we know what's coming next. So Apple went, yeah, our Find My Network is open to third parties. We have no products to announce yet today. 
Our find my network is open to third parties. Look at this shiny bicycle. Um, and there was also a Clipolo, which is a competitor to the tile, and there were one or two other announcements. But I mean, maybe I'm being actually no, I'm being a bit too cynical because the fact that one of the first products is a competitor to what we all know Apple has been waiting to announce forever, um, is kind of interesting that they are being genuinely open. Does that relate back to our first story that they are trying to proactively look competitive instead of anti-competitive? I think, I think, I don't know that they're appearing. I think they're open. I think they're offering an opportunity uh, for other folks to do it. Now, um, part of it is that part of what I thought was interesting in all of this is um, like, we've heard about air tags forever. Um, like, I feel like we started getting that about the time we started getting Apple's going to build a wireless charging mat. Um <laughs> even before they announced it and then never actually got around to giving us one. So I feel like in, in this particular case, um, this is like, I'm not, I'm still trying to figure out what tile is so mad about, I guess. Um, because tile has the opportunity to use the find my network as part of their app if they want to. Um, and they could include that with tile and then, also have the tile app on all the android devices so like if you really want to get everybody you know you get a tile and so like I, i'm still not sure what it is they're so upset about but i have a um, theory kelly but it's very cynical they've had that's this okay market to themselves for years and years and years if anyone was going to be successful at it they were in the perfect position they had first mover advantage they had every advantage on the field and they screwed up and they're very cranky about having not been able to do the job so they'd like to blame I, someone else. You know, I that feels as likely as anything else that I've heard as far as like why Tile should be ups- so upset about this. Um, honestly, I feel like the bigger announcement in this was the Find My stuff. Um, just because uh, I'm, I want to see how other places utilize this. How Now that other companies have this opportunity to utilize it, I want to know where that's going to go. And I think it'll be great. The bicycles are an interesting example of that. D- don't think only in terms of something you hang on your keys. Think bigger. Mm-hmm. And I live in a very bike-happy place. And so people here are going to be very excited about being able to track a stolen bicycle. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, interest in that here. It's not really about stolen stuff, though. It's very much about finding. It's very much about lost stuff because... If a tag that isn't yours follows you around, it tells you how to disable it. So if it's about tracking down thieves, yes. that's not really very good. Whereas if it's no, but it works. Thwarting... It would work like it. It would work a lot like the phone. Like, uh, you know, somebody took my phone, and I have a, like, I can see on find my on my iPad where my phone is. You know, like we have a lot of stories about that in the U.S. where like my phone has been stolen. I went to the police and said, look. I'm logged into my iCloud account. I can show you where my phone is and phones have been recovered. So having the same sort of opportunity aside from, I forgot where I parked my bike, which is, I think a a universal problem Mm. because like cars, well, you know, people forget where they park their cars regularly too. So I feel like that's a thing. Um, So I I promise you it is. Yeah. As someone who spent a little bit too long wandering up and down Dublin airport, multi-story car park, not so long ago. Well, actually no, a year ago. Precisely. February yeah, a year ago. But, Jesus. Anyway, sorry. I, 
Bart, I never thought of that. I have to keep an AirTag in my car so I can find my car. That's a... <laughs> yeah. You don't. If you connect your phone to Bluetooth, it'll show you where your car is parked. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. So, yeah, so for anyway, the first but... time, I got a new car, and now for the first time, my car has real Bluetooth, and now my phone has started to tell me where I park. Because it never used to be able to do uh-huh. that before because my car was too old to have Bluetooth. And it's so amazing yep. for it to know where your car is parked. I love it so much. Yeah. yeah. Especially for places I don't normally go and then have to park in a place like I'm not necessarily familiar with. So I enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, I, like I feel like the things that were the biggest in the event are things that uh, they sort of tossed off at the beginning. Um, I know it's not of interest to you so much bart but the apple card stuff okay hold being your powder on that too... one because i actually do want to talk okay. about that when we get to item four and okay. i actually, actually do think it's important so i'm gonna i'm gonna there call are a number you. of things they sort of tossed out at the beginning that i feel like are gonna end up being the bigger things out of this event over time Good. I, will, I will i will i will get that out of you in a moment <laughs> okay. um yeah it's i think it's the fact that they designed the cryptography in from the start of this Find My Network and the fact that they told us about it two years ago now, about how the network would work and how secure it would be and how safe it would be, and they've given us two years to get used to it before any products have really showed up on the network. Mm-hmm. I think that was extremely clever instead of trying to bolt it on afterwards. Um, and I do like that it's open to everyone because the amount of seeking devices out there on planet earth for this massive network is makes it actually useful whereas to me i've never i've never believed the tile could work because enough people have to believe a tile can work for a tile to work whereas apple built the network and now they're making use of it Mm-hmm. for sure anyone else have any thoughts on the find my network as opposed to on the uh the air tag which we'll get to later I, I just I think it's Apple, you know, just doing something that it doesn't view will damage its sales at all. Um, and and it certainly once again, it's that that optics thing. It looks good. Mm. Um, it looks like it's one more quasi opening in the network, you know, in their uh, in their walled garden, which really it isn't. So for those for, for the people we were talking about earlier that didn't have a good sense of the real technology issues, this really looks good. <laughs> ironically yeah there's an interesting side effect yeah if you, if you don't look too carefully this looks even better than it probably is although to be honest i think it is quite good <laughs> um our third main story then is apple's q2 21 earnings call because apple start their year at halloween um so q2 is the quarter after the holiday season so is that normally a big drop off then linda is that is that how it normally goes yeah. Uh, yes, because, <clears throat> pardon me, because um, the holiday season, that's when, you know, many people buy iPhones for themselves, for their kids, for Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. So the holiday season is the biggest season for the year. So you Everywhere. load up your credit card in December. You then spend the first quarter paying back all that debt. Therefore, in theory, it should be a really bad quarter for everyone. Well, I wouldn't yeah. say really bad. Really bad is too strong, but certainly it always goes down. And then the other thing that's seasonal about Apple is that, and I believe it will be next quarter, um, a lot of the school districts will be buying equipment for the fall, for the following fall. So, oh, so over I mean, the summer, they buy equipment to get ready for September. Exactly. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. And there's a, there's a certain amount of buying depending on things that get announced in June and that sort of thing as well. Um, and there's, right, a, and there's like no the back Apple to school because the Apple events yeah. are in the lead up to the the first quarter in Apple speak. 
Right. There's right. no apple mm-hmm. event over Christmas. So this is a whole quarter yep. with very little happening. We then have an apple event at the start of Q3, which mm-hmm. we've just had. Yep. So that's the spring forward event or spring loaded event. And yeah, then there's an apple event at the start of Q, uh, basically just before Christmas again. So, yeah, this is right. one yeah. where there's just so little happening. Let me uh, toss in a, cu- a couple more things, though. Mm-hmm. It's worth remembering that China, the Chinese New Year, which is their gift, gift-giving season, yes. is also, I believe, included here. So, yes. so does that. And so over the years, as China becomes ever a bigger piece of Apple's history, that starts to act as a smoothing factor for this quarter. It could, but mm-hmm. Apple... Apple will always be a seasonal stock when you look at it from a financial point of view. It's I, I don't think I think it will always be a financial. I mean a seasonal stock. Yeah, so because the, the correct- they're they're a consumer electronics company, and these are the consumer patterns that we have. Is you know the, the at year end, many people are giving gifts for for many different things, and maybe it's a small thing like a phone case. Maybe it's a big thing like actually a phone. Uh, maybe it's a computer. You know, and so like those things tend to happen late in the year, and there's also the 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 smaller factor of like getting things in for tax purposes before the end of the year so sometimes that can but uh, that only affects spur you guys a little spending. Who have a weird tax year right because in Ireland our tax year ends with the calendar year so for us that's more christmas spending oh no that's what i'm talking about is like also factoring into the christmas spending is the end of the year um like there are people who make purchases in december for themselves because then you know because it shows up for for taxes for the next year oh so you guys so filed them in april but you're actually calculating yeah. them to december yeah yeah well, we get we get three yeah we get three and a half months to to get everything together and send it off to the government basically oh so we're way better we get nine months we don't have to file our taxes yeah. <laughs> for this year till next september Oh, wow. Um, well, yeah, we get we get less time, but there's a, a certain amount of spending, I think, is sometimes attributed to that as well in in calendar year end spending. So that will vary um, if you're talking about yeah. business wanting to spend, then they may have they have something left over. They may want to spend it in a particular tax year. They also may want to put it into the following tax year. And so they buy in January. So they could reserve yeah. stuff to jump into the next year. Exactly. Right. And Linda. Would it be fair to say that as Apple shift more and more of their focus towards services, that's going to have a sort of a moderating effect, lessening the seasonality, but not removing it? It has, correct. It has that kind of smoothing. It also has the effect, let me say this, the market generally will value a company that has renewing subscriptions higher than a, than a company selling products because the income itself is more reliable. So it takes as that effort to stop paying a subscription, mm-hmm. whereas it takes effort mm-hmm. to buy a product. Right. Mm-hmm. And think about um, the market likes it when it knows that or, or thinks it's more likely um, that, in fact, there will be that income there. Yeah. So it's reliable, it's predictable, and the market likes predictability. They do not like unpredictability. Yeah. Now... The right way to compare a quarter is year over year because of this fluctuation, right? Because it goes up and down, you don't compare Q1 to Q2. You compare Q1 2021 to Q2 2020. But Q2 2020 was a bit of an odd Q, to put it mildly. Indeed. So I don't know whether I should be jumping up and down for joy that they had a 54% year over year revenue increase or if that just is meaningless because 2020. It's meaningless. Um. It is significant because it's the highest uh, quarter, the highest March quarter ever. Okay, so, okay. so it, 
it's, it's really significant. That said, um, there were some things going in Apple's favor that may not extend on into the future. And what I mean by that specifically is because of the lockdown, lots and lots of people were buying iPhones, iPads, and uh, Macs because of work work from home and learn from home. So lots of people updated their equipment on that basis. What we don't know, again, looking at it from a market perspective, what we don't know is whether or not that trend will continue or to what degree it will continue. Because we don't know, first of all, we don't know if some variant is going to come up that resists all the vac- all the vaccines that have already been given to people and knock us out again, knock us into some kind of a worldwide lockdown again. We yeah. I mean, there's, still, there's a lot of lack of predictability right now. But I think I, the other piece of this that's interesting is the um, is that uh, the last quarter, you know, we're year over yearing for the first weird quarter. Like that like the the year ago quarter is the quarter that was when everything's when everything uh started locking down and uh what you know and and everything sort of being weird and uncertain and nobody knowing how long we were going to be in this for and all that kind of stuff and so for for that to be um because we sort of presumed at that point, like the tipping point for selling all of these things was you know people going well I guess it's finally time to buy one of the kids a computer or to upgrade the machine they already have, or yes. I really need to get a new iPad for whatever. And so for this quarter to have crushed the quarter, when we all sort of thought a lot of people are pulling the trigger on purchases, you know, accelerating yeah, the purchases they may well, have already made is really surprising. Quite, excuse me, Kelly. It didn't quite work that way. A lot of people remember a lot. The economy itself was locked down. I remember it mm-hmm. could be locked down here in our County on the 16th of, of March. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were locked down. A lot of people lost jobs. The mm-hmm. Congress in the U.S. in particular had not passed all this extended uh, unemployment benefit and so on and so forth. So right. lots of people closed their wallets totally, said, I'm not buying anything. And this time so last year, yeah. China basically closed for like a month or more as well, didn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So for that reason, yeah. that quarter actually was probably less than what what it would have been. So this does make a good year over year comparison. Does, does that From mean the, market, the next quarter is going to be a difficult compare? Because next quarter last year, 11 months, no. Yeah. Three, ah, anyway, the next quarter June. last year was when yeah. everyone suddenly went, okay, this is a long-term thing. We're all stuck at home. Is that when people pulled the trigger? It could, well... Wait, wait a minute. Ask your question again, Bart, because so I was, thought you were going. So is it one quarter from now, last year, that the buying really kicked off? Mm, maybe mid that part of the quarter, but I don't think at that point we still knew. A lot, maybe it may have been ramping up. Mm. That's what I would say. But not necessarily, not necessarily. It kicked off, okay, but not not a hockey stick. Gotcha. In terms of a full chart perspective, are you with me? So more of a gradual, I would say. But we'll see. We'll see what they tell us when the numbers come out for this coming quarter. So did Apple guide? Because I know Apple haven't been guiding since the pandemic started. No, they did not do formal guidance. They did do a pretty good job on, quote, color, unquote. Okay. Um, well, meaning, so one of the things they said, um, they said that there will be a, a reduction in what might have been expected because um, two factors. One is the chip shortage, which I found pretty interesting. They're basically saying 
the buffers, and, and Tim specifically used the word buffer, the buffers that they normally have in terms of some of the chip supplies have now been, they're now pretty darn narrow. And for that reason, they don't expect to be able to meet demand this next quarter. Um, so for that reason, what they may lose, and I believe the number was like two to three billion in sales, is they won't be able to meet it. And then the other, um, the other fact is, is that you've got a drop off in iPhone demand, partially because this quarter, let, let me step back, the iPhone came out later than usual. So a lot more came in, uh, a lot more sales came into this second quarter than would normally be the case. Normally more of a higher percentage of that would have been in, in Q1. Right. So drop off is going to be a little on the steep side. That said, um, they're ba- it still looks good. It's, you know, it still looks good. There's a couple things going in their favor. One is you, for years, they've been talking about the foreign exchange rate not being in Apple's favor. Now it has turned, it is more in Apple's favor. Um, that's because the value of the drop dollar has dropped some. So when they bring money over euros or, or whatever, you know, um, yuan, uh, when that co- money comes over, it's favorable from a dollar perspective. So there's a, a lot of factors going in, but I would, it looks pretty good. But those, for those two reasons, and basically they were talking about sequentially it will be down. So I don't know how it will compare. It still could compare very well favorably with the year-over-year quarter. But they were saying sequentially it will be down because of those two factors, the chip, the chip issue and the iPhone issue. Interesting. And just, for, I guess, for some context on the chips, my understanding is that it's not the M and the A chips that are the problem. It's the fact that pretty much every other thing in that phone also has chips in it, like there's chips in the graphics, there's panels, there's chips, there's chips mm-hmm. in everything. And so it's yeah. not so much their big fancy name chips that are the problem. It's all the other chips that make the thing go. They specifically use the word legacy chips, which I found interesting. I, this, I, yeah, I went to Intel. I don't know whether oh, I don't wow. know whether yeah, I, sorry. in my head. Yeah, the word legacy definitely makes me think that was a dig at Intel. <laughs> Well, no, no, yeah. no, it wasn't. Well, I don't didn't take it so much as a dig as like these are the chips we're short on. These it could also be like four G radios and things like that in in phones and stuff because or they would Qualcomm, consider that or legacy. Qualcomm as they move to the um, you know to the Apple's own broadband chip. Right, Maybe? that's what I mean. Like they're yeah. still making iPhone elevens that are not five G, and they're still making yeah. machine, you know, computers that are not in that are not M ones and that like all of that stuff. But also, right. um, yeah, and like Tim Cook became CEO after coming up through like operations, and right. he was the master of supply chain. So to listen to a master of supply chain manufacturing say that their buffers, which were not like super massive buffers in the first place they're not that kind of company they're lean and mean and so for him to say that the buffers are running out it feels like that should be a much more alarming statement to a lot of people than it feels like it has been so and just to be clear he didn't say running out he basically no, said the buffers that, correct yeah. but i just I, yeah. I just want people to understand correctly yeah okay. and if so if any, if any ceo is going to have an accurate view of where the buffers are it's tim that's yeah. that's what I mean. Like, if any, if you're going to listen to anybody talk about supply chain at their company, Tim Cook is the person to listen to about supply chain at a company. Like, um, other people talking about it are probably less involved. So, so maybe I'm just, I'm, I, I guess, 
I can't get too excited over this earnings call. I mean, look, it was a great earnings call, and we all love those. But I, I'm looking at – I'm kind of trying to take Apple's attitude and look at the bigger picture here. And this is another great quarter on a string of great quarters mm-hmm. at at a year that has been one of the most uncertain years at, at the at the base level than, that we've ever seen. And I think this, this just speaks so highly to Apple's user base, Apple's perception, Apple's products – I mean, just everything about Apple, in spite of the, some of the things we talked about earlier in this show, you know, Apple is viewed very favorably by the the, the global consumer. And, you know, I mean, I, we you know, we don't want to start making stock predictions or anything, but this just looks really good to me for yeah. for reasons that go beyond just the quarter. Trying to explain the quarter and, you know, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. At the bottom line, you know, this is just one more th- one more dot on the trend line and the trend line is looking really good that's good let me uh, the forest is healthy as well as the tree yeah a couple comments in the earnings call itself you know when it's a good quarter you know when when people are when the analysts are enthusiastic about it when there are a number of people who say congratulations on this earnings call Three or four, one person didn't use the word congratulations, but basically said the same thing. There were three others that did use the word congratulations. So the quarter itself was stellar. From a market perspective, what the market cares about, though, is not what you what, what they won't look in the rearview mirror. It's not what you've done, but what will you do for me in the future? Mm. And there's two pieces to that. One is there's a lot of money in the market that is going in other directions right now because simply because they expect um, the rest of the, the, the entire economy to boom, mm-hmm. you know, so that would, that would be, make Apple stock maybe a little bit flattish. Um, however, the analysts, uh, analyst recommendations came out and a high number of them have upped their targets looking into the first the, uh, year going forward because they're, Target prices are one year out from whenever they announce them. That's what those targets mean. Uh, oh, so, is it always yeah. a year? Is, is that what everyone means by that? Yeah. It's, well, that's the, unless they say something different, that's the standard measure is oh, one year out. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, it's, it's, so I'm reiterating in a way what Chuck has just said, because even though the market itself may be taking some money out of the reliable ones, the stock's that have done really well during this period, during the COVID period, because um, that is happening. But at the same time, looking further out, we're in good shape. And this is a seasonal time where normally uh, Apple's uh, cash flow and such will go down a little bit. So so the summer may be flat. Hmm. doesn't matter. Gotcha. Um, two, okay. two numbers caught my eye other than the finances. Well, actually, no, one of them is financial. Um. 75% of watch purchases were from first-time users, so that means that the Apple Watch continues to grow apace. And 660 million paid subscriptions for services. So if if the market likes the reliability of services, then having 660 million subscriptions seems like that would make them happy. Yes, absolutely. In both cases, both the watch, yeah. Okay, any final thoughts on the earnings? Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Yeah. Yeah. Two yeah. thumbs up, cha-ching. Yeah. That yeah. was certainly the I'm message I'm relieved that right? Apple finally made all the money instead of just almost all the money, because um, <laughs> now we can stop having the conversation about when is Apple finally going to make all the money. I think they just did. Well, and, and also, also, Kelly, they're no longer doomed. 
<laughs> oh, I don't know if I'd go that far, Linda. <laughs> we have to be five minutes away from a headline that they're doomed. I'm sure there's a reason somewhere. Anyway, let us move on to main story number four. Spring loaded. So in my <laughs> mind, before the keynote, I was sort of thinking... Are they going to announce one big technology to spring the platform forward so the spring is loaded for a massive leap forward? Or is it spring and they're just going to give us a load of products? Well, it was definitely the second of those two. It was spring and they gave us a load of products. So we have so much to talk about. Uh, But as Kelly has already hinted, we are going to start with Apple Card Family, which I'm still cranky it's not available in Ireland, but hey, someday maybe. So... Apple yeah. have taken their, I think, interesting credit card product another step forward. And you seem very excited, Kelly. So please share. Well, so here, here's what it is, is that um, they're calling it Apple Card Family. And um, Apple Card Family is sort of two things at the same time. So the first is um, instead of the current model, at least here in the U.S., of um, I am a person uh, who gets a credit card. I get a visa card from whoever and I have the opportunity to give my partner a visa card as well with his name on it and he can use it and everything. And, but, but it's not his credit card. It's like, I got a credit card and I have bestowed one upon him, but he's not an equal account holder or anything like that. And, and so, so one of the things Apple card does, he doesn't get the, right, the credit ha- for the credit. It, yeah, it's basically uh, like it, it's basically like me saying Mr. Kelly has permission to put charges on this credit card because it's exactly the same number and everything. Um, so it's less about like him having that card and more about uh, I have that card and have bestowed the right to use it upon him. And uh, Apple Card Family makes it so that uh, I have an Apple Card and also Mr. Kelly has an Apple card and they're the same. And like, if we pay it off every month and the rating is great and we have a good relationship with it, it affects both of our credit scores. It becomes an actual joint account like bank accounts and other things are in the U S. Um, the other thing it does is it gives you an opportunity to, um, sort of give apple cards to your children if they're 13 and older and you can put spending limits and controls on them to make sure that like nothing gets too crazy um but you can set it up so that uh like your kids can sort of have a credit card as well and then uh particularly like if you've got teenagers you know like it can help them build a credit score and things like that um and that's the thing that's that I think is is interesting about it. Like co-owner is not a thing that I know of is available on any other credit card that I in the United States, like anything that I could go out and get. I don't know that anyone else offers something where it is co-owners and mm. not an account holder and another person who has a card. And um, the part about being able to manage and you manage all of it in wallet, of course, and being able to um, handle all of that and do the same sort of thing uh, for your kids or for other people on the account, like it doesn't have to be kids, uh, but for other people on your um family iCloud account, it seems like a really, really good idea. And that's part of why um, I was super excited to talk about it is because this is a thing that no one else is doing. And I feel like longer term, uh, this is going to end up being a really, really big announcement 
uh, that they that, you know, in in relationship to the other stuff in the event, this sort of got tossed out at the beginning. Like, hi, we've totally revamped how credit cards work. Let's move on to the next thing. And so, uh, like, over time, I think this is going to end up being something that uh, we see a lot more about going forward. Cool. Yeah, no, it's nah. gone. Bring it to Ireland is all I have to say. Um, and the, <laughs> the joint credit thing is actually very important because I, I, while going through COVID, I, I also went through buying a house. And when it comes to applying for mortgages and stuff, oh, it's really important boy. to have credit history. Like it's really important mm-hmm. to have credit history. Indeed. And actually, and the other thing just to say is when you join your two people into the one Apple Card account... Uh, mm-hmm. It's the highest of your two credit scores will determine your interest rate. Yeah. So for the situations where you had a husband and wife applying for a card and the husband getting a better rate than the wife and that got an awful lot of press, that all vanishes in a puff of logic because now everyone gets to have the lower rate, which is great. Yep. They fixed mm-hmm. it. Yay. Fixed it. Proper fix. So, uh, yeah, as I say, just bring it to more countries now and, and, and you'll get a lot of happiness out of me. Um Indeed. Okay. And this is something we've talked about before, too, that, that when it comes to that, it's not necessarily Apple that is holding it back. It's the regulators in those countries agreeing to make those changes. Or not even necessarily even agreeing to make the changes is the fact that you have to apply separately to every little podunk country like Ireland. <laughs> right? True. You have to go to True. the Irish Central Bank and apply for a conduct of business, you know. I mean... Europe, Europe is actually even more interesting because you sort of you can have it as a game of two halves. You, all of our ads for banking stuff ends with you know, bloody blah is registered in so and so for is regulated by the Dutch Central Bank but registered in Ireland for conducts of business services or something like that. So you basically it can be half and half in one country and in another country. But you you know it's that's where it's Ireland is late to these things because they have to apply for permission to be in our market, and we're just too small mm-hmm. to be top. Some of, of the mind. banks in some of the countries may also not be enthused. That may be a factor. Yeah, because you're right. In America, it's Goldman, is it? Or who is it? It is Goldman Sachs you're working with. Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. Yeah. Yeah. Who are not in Ireland, so that's not going to get here that way. Yeah. Okay. um, Second story then is a quick and easy one. Uh, I I am going to interpret this as Apple would like to juice iPhone sales mid-year, so now you can have it in purple. It looks pretty. Oh, I wish I had waited now. It makes me sad. <laughs> I have a blue one. I like my blue one, but I would like purple. Sigh. Okay. I, I mean, I don't think there is really much more to it than this, right? This is a way to, to juice sales mid-cycle, um, and mm-hmm. everyone seems to universally think it's a very nice purple. Yeah. Yeah, but the ringtone isn't purple rain, and I feel that's unjust. <laughs> yeah, but you could make it so. <laughs> but it should come that way i mean okay who looked at that phone and did not think purple the ringtone on that phone should be purple rain yeah i mean come on i i I did kelly it it should be (laughs) it should be a deep purple song Uh, okay that's fair smoke on the water that yeah that's fine (laughs) i'll take the choice anyway uh, the next thing then is that Apple unveiled a podcast subscription service and a redesign of their podcast app. So it's basically a model we have seen many times before from Apple. Uh, Apple get a 30% cut for the first year and a 15% cut after that. Um, that's kind of all there is to it. It's entirely optional to join the program. 
if you join the program, you agree to the the revenue split. It's kind of very simplistic. No exclusivity mm-hmm. is, I think, the thing that surprised me. It's it's not a case that either you're here or you're on Spotify or whatever. No, you, you can be on both. Well, yeah. Bart, here we here we go again. Though that's something that I mean, as as podcasters, I think we were all happy to see that, but. Apple really got a lot of positive press and a lot of positive sentiment in that, and it really didn't give away much, if anything. It just so, I mean, it, it, it seems it, like it, a yeah. great solution for small podcasters, and it seems utterly irrelevant to f- free podcasts and big players. And it looked good again for those people that you know are are looking down their noses at Apple. And and all the tech companies. It's like here's another example that Apple can wave and say, "Hey, we're you know Spotify has exclusives. We aren't ha- we don't have exclusives." On the other hand, no. Spotify gave a hundred percent of their money to the podcasters, whereas Apple takes thirty percent. So I think there's a glass half full there. Maybe a bit of a Rorschach test. Well, I, I agree, but you know that's one that if you do the if if you look a little deeper, then there, as far as we know right now, there's nothing that will be exclusive to the 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 uh, the Apple podcast app I mean they may there are they things may strike deals but there's nothing to require anyone to be exclusive so it's not right. required to be exclusive which is I think the right. thing I was afraid of right uh, but there are things on Spotify that that are or were exclusive yes yeah so mm-hmm. Apple also, is Apple, sorry go ahead well you're also allowed to still advertise which is great. So you can choose to have yes. your own in-app, in sorry, not in-app, in-podcast advertisements as well, which is also nice. Mm-hmm. There's a report out there from Ken, Mac OS Ken, that the, and I didn't follow this, I'm not a podcaster, I didn't follow this 100%, uh, and he just came out with it this morning, that um, the refresh rate on the new podcast app is like two and a half hours instead of like a minute. So if you put up something on your feed, it doesn't get to the listener nearly as quickly as it used to. That may be an mm-hmm. interim glitch, but you guys may want to um, check Ken's podcast on in a few minutes. I listened to it today and I don't know. I, I It is, we we just don't have enough information for me to, to, to say anything other, other than, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Knee, yeah. A knee-jerking reaction to this is is pointless. Um, yeah, you know, now, if, it's, if it's this way in three or four weeks, then it may be something to talk about. Yeah, and some of the listeners, some people who are podcast listeners like I am, an avid one, I can always write to Apple for feedback and say, hey, Apple, fix this, right? Right, yeah. yes. And apple.com yeah. forward slash feedback is a place I... Whenever I find myself about to be cranky on Twitter, I go be cranky at apple.com forward slash feedback instead, because that actually achieves yeah. something. <laughs> yes, it absolutely. certainly can. <laughs> I, I've actually had replies, uh, not not like mm-hmm. less than 1% of the time, but I have had replies twice. Twice Apple have reached back and went, can you expound on your point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they pay attention. They really do pay attention. They're good at that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, like, Right now, hopefully, this is an a temporary issue. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting about the pot, the Apple offering um, in-app purchases for podcasts is that um, hopefully th- this would be like a 1.0 sort of a thing. Because, like, uh, for example, I have a podcast, full disclosure, I have a podcast over at the Incomparable Network with Jason Snell. And one of the things that you get by being a member of 
the incomparable network by paying to, to support it is you get access to the member slack mm. and uh, anyone whose members gets to go hang out there and talk to people who have shows and things. And uh, one of, and there's no way to offer that as a benefit if people are paying through the Apple podcasts app. Quite the opposite. Apple are taking the approach they always take, like they do with newspaper subscriptions and so forth, is the relationship is between Apple and the customer, not between you and the customer. So you don't know who, like with apps, when you sell an app, you don't know who the customer is. Yeah. And they're not giving an avenue for you to offer some of those other things. I know there are other networks that if you support them, you get physical things. And uh, like I'm not seeing anything for that yet. So I'm hoping that maybe Apple is rolling this out and that it will get better so that those sorts of things can happen. Um, I'm not holding my breath. Uh, but mm. definitely on the server end, like the server stuff definitely needs to be fixed. <laughs> but I'm not sure it's even related to this particular thing. I mean, the two things happen yeah. at the same time, but so did a whole new OS coming out and, you know, we shall see how that yeah. pans out. I'm, I'm hopeful there's something, that there's something else going on with this that makes it, that is causing the difficulty. So, yeah. um, I'm going to move us along because I have noticed I have a hard out in 28 minutes and we have cool stuff still to talk about. So I'm going to move us on and say that there is a new Apple TV. It has a better CPU, but you know something? Almost no one cares because after all of these years, it finally has a remote that doesn't appear to suck. Um, Uh, I would say sucks less. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I do not use Apple's remotes. Thanks to a fantastic listener to this very podcast. Um, there was a, a cable company in Switzerland designed their own remote, um, which didn't suck. And I said on the air how much I wanted one. And uh, a very, very kind listener contacted me directly and said, uh, what's your address? I have one here to send you. And he did. And it gets used every single solid day of the week. And we love it to bits. So thank oh you Oh, my again. goodness. Yes. Just want to say that. But this new remote actually looks like it might be worth buying separately. So... It has a very obvious top and bottom. It has mm-hmm. an, a D-pad for moving around the interface instead of that bloody touch mm-hmm. thing that never works. And for someone like me who remembers so fondly the actual iPod, you can do the spinny finger thing to scroll around as well. <laughs> and I will point out the remote is available separately. So yes. you don't have to buy a whole new Apple TV in order to get one. And it will work with, um, I think, fourth gen and 4K. Apple TVs. Um, I don't remember if it goes back further than that or not. But if you do have one with an anger-inducing remote, you can get one that may well induce less anger. Correct. So I'm glad that actually is backwards compatible. And then I guess the other thing that is worth mentioning, which is also backwards compatible, so Apple sort of mentioned that it's a feature of the new Apple TV, but it isn't. It's just a feature of the new OS, which is that you can use your phone as a colorimeter to color balance your telly, assuming your telly is modern enough to do that. Yeah is rather cool any other thoughts on the apple tv no okay the next big thing then is the AirTag. so we now know that apple genuinely are selling a little tracking device on their find my network it costs 29 dollars they come in packs of one or four you can get them engraved they are waterproof and sorry splash proof and dust proof they have a human replaceable battery and they have lots of tech built in to do their absolute best so they won't become stalking devices. They've certainly put a lot more effort into preventing them from being used for stalking than any of their competitors have. 
So there we go. Finally. Kelly, you you need to run, which is no problem at all. But uh, how's about you tell the good listeners where they can hear more from you uh, before you do indeed run? Uh, my goodness, you can take your pick. Um, so as I mentioned, I have a podcast over at the Incomparable Network. It's called I Want My MCU TV. And we talk. <laughs> I love it. I love it a bit. It's excellent. Name. Uh, we talk about uh, Marvel. Sh- We're talking primarily about Marvel shows. Um, we may expand from the official Disney Plus stuff to talk about the Netflix programs, the X-Men cartoon from the 90s. Uh, we haven't quite decided yet. Uh, we just wrapped up the Falcon and the Winter Snowman. And we're going to talk about uh, Loki when Loki starts up again. So you can check us out there. Um, you can hear me five days a week over at themacobserver.com where I host the Mac Observer Daily Observations podcast. I have a podcast with Mike Rose, where every couple of weeks we get together and sort of catch up called The After Show, which you can find at aftershowpodcast.com. And the rest of the time, you can find me um, heckling Chuck from the back row of Zoom over at Mac Voices Live on Tuesday evenings. <laughs> hey, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. Yes, winter, winter, winter Soldier. Uh, we never could get the name right. And so we called it a number of things. Uh, we called it The Falcon and the Winter Snowman. Um <laughs> Uh, Finding Zemo. We called it um, uh, The Falcon and the Soldier Can't Be Friends. Uh, the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and the Wardrobe was my personal favorite. Oh, I like. Um, well, it was an episode with where Turkish Delight featured prominently, and so we felt like, like that it. was the right way to go. So, yeah, <laughs> it was great. So uh, we talked about WandaVision, like uh, and like I said, we talked about The Falcon and the Winter Snowman, and uh, we're going to talk about Loki. You can uh, check us all out over at theincomparable.com. And if you still haven't heard enough from me, uh, you can find me on Twitter as Verso. Excellent. Kelly, thank you very much for joining us for as long as you could. Genuine, you know, always a pleasure to have you on. Really appreciate it. And uh, yes. enjoy the rest Happy of your Monday. All right. Oh, I'll talk to you okay. all later. Bye. Okay. So, air tags. $29, waterproof, dustproof, uh, sorry, water splashproof, dustproof, replaceable battery, not stocky. Uh, they seem to be quite popular because I spent so long deciding how I wanted it engraved that by the time I hit the order button, I'm due mine mid-June. And it would fare any oh, better? Wow. Yes, mm. mine are in my hands now. Oh. I, 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 had, I had my decision about air, uh, engraving done early and knew exactly what it was. And so boom, boom, boom. And they, they arrived Friday. Oh, wow. Very excellent. good. I haven't ordered mine yet and I do want some. Well, you'll be waiting a while. I'll be waiting a while. I'll just be patient. <laughs> so do yeah, they work as advertised, Chuck? Did the, does, is the demo accurate? Does it do that whole cool thing where it uses the ultra-wideband and all that? It's, I mean, it seems to, Bart. You know, I did a little testing over the weekend, and uh, I, I'm sorry to say, because tile is a fine product, but they mm-hmm. will be replacing my, my tiles for only one reason. Uh, I mean, the tiles are probably continue to stay there you know until they the, the batteries die but um just what was alluded to earlier in the show that apple has the the network with the yes. capital t you know it's it's uh, the tile network was good the apple network has got to be great because there's so many i devices out there all over the place and if i'm going to want to track something i'm going to want to track it the most efficiently that i can yeah I mean, that is kind of the whole point, right? That you, you want a network that you know has a chance of actually covering your device when you, when you run into it. 
And which I think it's it's kind of too bad that Tile decided not to participate um, in that because I think that would have since I was already invested in their product um, at the very at the very least I probably would have continued to use that as a parallel or for other devices but by just bowing out it's like okay I'm I I now am pushed into the position of of going with one or the other and I'm yeah. going with the other yeah and the the ultra wideband. I mean, so the network is important for if the device is far away from you. And then when you get close, that's when the ultra-wideband kicks in, right? Because that, that's Correct. straight to your phone at that point. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Okay. Um, any Anyone else have anything to... Not about the air tags. No? Okay. Well, in that no. case... Let us move on to the uh, to, what the physically biggest story anyway. Um, there are new iMacs. They have M1 chips. They are 24 rather than 21 inches. They come very colorful. Um, the backs are extremely loud and shouty colors and the fronts are a pastel variant of the loud and shouty colors and they have a neutral gray um, bezel to give your eyes some chance to adjust between the screen and the shouty colors, I guess. Um, what I get the bigger size is obviously cool. People cheered for joy when we got uh, color matched keyboards with touch ID available. And I shouted for joy when I heard that they are actually visa mountable, because that is one of the biggest gripes I have with my current iMac is that it does not have a visa mount, so I can't put it on a monitor arm. Um, and, this is a very much an upgrade for the consumer end iMac, the 21-inch, rather than a replacement for the 27-inch. I think the assumption is that when Apple bring out higher-end chips for their high-end MacBook Pros and their other Pro machines, that there will be a second iMac, we hope. But absolutely, positively, nothing promised at the keynote. Um, <clears throat> also, it's thin. It's like so thin... <laughs> You can't fit an Ethernet jack into it. You've got to put that on the power brick instead. I love that. I did get yeah. to see one of these. In the flesh? Yeah. Or in the... the flesh. Ooh. And it's, they're really, really pretty. I, um, Cy, I, I have a 27-inch iMac, and I, it's up, I'm ready to upgrade it. Mm -hmm. And I looked at this, and I went, mm, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I can't, I can't quite, I want the bigger screen. I, w I was concerned because, you know, my eyes are not 20 year old eyes. Mm. Um, I was concerned about the screen, it, but the screen looks fine. I think I could have gotten by with it, but I want, I also wanted a bigger SSD. The highest they go is a two and I want, I'm a pack rat and I wanted right. a big SSD internal. So, um, <clears throat> so for that reason, I'm going to wait for a 27, but, but boy, it sure is pretty. It's really pretty. Well, I, I mean, I'm waiting too. So I, I have a, I have a 27 inch that's coming. It will be at the end of its Apple care at the end of this year. So I'm, I'm thinking about its replacements. Um, but as long as it's an Apple care, I'm happy to keep it. Uh, but I'm sort of thinking if 21 becomes 24, does 27 become 30? Hmm. I don't know. They haven't told me, you know. <laughs> well, you know, if I'm looking at my 27 inch here, and I'm just thinking: imagine if you removed the bezels to zero, but kept the body the same width. Yeah. I think that'll be a lovely machine. Yeah, me too. Mark, me that's too. an interest. That's an interesting idea to to give up some of the thinness 
because right now the chin on the new iMac is pretty much housing the logic board. I mean, that's there's nothing there's nothing behind it to speak of. It's it's all screen, and then the logic board is down in the chin. Yeah. So if you if you gave up the need for that, then you could easily justify a thirty inch screen because mm. it would not be that. I mean, physically, it it would be not that much bigger. Yeah, but it, I mean, I I think you could even keep the chin the same size it is on the twenty four inch. Um, and then you would end up with a casing not bigger than what I have at the moment on the 27, because the 27 has a good inch of black on all sides of the screen. So you have the chin, yeah. an inch, the screen, and then another inch on top. Yeah, good point. Good would, point. It, would it need more than the M1 chip to run that? Because that's one my of the rumors. I... See, my thinking, right? So with these new iMacs, to me, Apple have completed the consumer lineup. Right, they have the Mac Mini, they have the consumer laptops, and now they have the consumer desktops. So that that sort of rounds out the range for regular folk. What they haven't touched yet is the line of computers that is typically bought by developers, graphic designers, photo editors, the more pro people. And I think the reason for that is because it needs an M1X, or depending on how late in the year they do it an M2X, but basically this year or next year's silicon with more oomph, more cores, and probably better graphics engine. Mm. Okay. We're looking forward to the oomph. I, I think so. So I think basically the 16-inch MacBook Pro and the bigger iMacs, I think they're all going to start coming together when Apple release whatever they choose to call chip number the next one is my... I mean, you know, I have no little birdies. I have no, I have no secret information. It's just my interpretation Hypothesis. of logic and the facts lead me to believe that that's what seems reasonable. Okay, I, I, I'm with you, Bart. I, I mean, I think if you go back to the the classic Steve Jobs matrix, you know, mm. the product matrix, we have we have pro versions and we have consumer versions. Nobody wants to call them consumer mm. versions because people look down on consumer versions, but we, but for al- almost all. Apple products. There are a couple exceptions. We have pro versions and then the the less than pro versions, shall we say. So yeah. I, I, that's the way I see this new iMac. And I think the next iMac will be closer to that pro. I don't think it necessarily has to fill the, the gap that was left by the iPad pro. Um, but I do think that, you know, I, I, I have a hard time seeing an M1 in the next iMac just for screen size. It's not impossible. Um, especially if the pricing were favorable, but I just don't see it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I think basically we all agree that they, they're they a really nice product. Like, I mean, it's cool. Oh. If, if, if my family were to come to me and say, hey, Bart, we need a new machine for the family room, I wouldn't even think once, let alone twice. I would just say, yeah, it's perfect family room computer, new iMac. Until the next one comes out, then that's the perfect family room computer. Sure, sure. You know, but I mean, the iMac, I, I think the iMac is just a perfect family product. And if I were in a university looking to fill up a lab of computers to teach Photoshop or to teach the final code or whatever, I think I would probably be buying a lab full of these as well. Okay. Uh, the next product in the lineup then was a new upgraded iPad Pro with um, 
I guess the three headline features are an amazing screen, mini LED technology as opposed to OLED, with a hell of a lot of dimming zones, like a heck a heck a lot of dimming zones to give you really high contrast ratios, a hell of a lot of nits, um, and um, then an M1 is what they are choosing to call the chip, and they also get 5G. Um, I, to, the M1 <laughs> is interesting to me because of the marketing, because ultimately... The M1, its actual cores are the same actual cores as in the A14 series. The only thing that's different is what you put around the cores. And really, the only thing that makes the iPad Pro's chip M-like is the fact that it has the Thunderbolt controllers. So so to me, they could have easily called that exact same piece of silicon an A14X. But they chose from a marketing point of view to call it an M1, which is interesting. And if it's exactly the same chip, I mean, I with everything you said, but still, if it's exactly the same chip as opposed to just almost the same, it means their fabs only have to produce M1s. But no, it isn't exactly the same chip because, it, I mean, the whole reason Apple love the M model is because they're each unique systems on a chip, right? So there is hardware in the M1 in your Mac that does the translation from Intel's code to, uh, it's, it's basically it supports in hardware Rosetta. I right. can't imagine they've okay. put that into these. I mean, why on earth would you? There is nothing Intel compiled running on your iPad. Unless it just doesn't matter and it, it, it does not detract from anything. But they're making them all themselves. So I would imagine instead they would use that space on the board for something that matters to the touch device, like, say, the processor for dealing with the touch input from the pencil, which is not going to be in the chip sitting in your iPad. Or sorry, in your MacBook. Okay, I'm not. I'm not arguing. I guess I'm just counterpointing. Um, the, I, I yes, I would agree with you, but on the other hand, if I can make an M1 chip that goes back and forth to both devices, then I'm a lot more flexible in a in an era of chip shortage. With, well, with I, what I, I can I do with that chip, don't think that's true, Chuck. I, I, they're calling it an M1, but I, I I will eat my hat if it is the identical piece of silicon. Okay. I have not seen anything that, that either bolsters my position or tears yours down, so I don't know. I'm just taking them at their word that an M1 is an M1 is an M1. But you're not really taking them at their word, Chuck, because if you listen back to their announcement of the M series, the whole point they keep making is that they now have full control of everything, the full system on a chip. So the the brand name is actually not all that meaningful. What, what sort of matters is that they are the same core but they reassemble them into all these different shapes whether they're going into an iphone an ipad or a mac okay i've i would be happy to be proved wrong you know it's it, look it's like it's it's fascinating how the technology has changed from the olden days when all of these parts were separate things that you would pick and choose and build your own computer, whereas now Apple has sort of collapsed so much stuff right onto the, the system on a chip. It's kind of amazing where we've come to. Yeah. And, I mean, these these are stupendous machines. Um, For for a touch-based device, as thin as they are, they pack one hell of a a punch. And those are some serious screens. And needless to say, the immediate suspicion, of course, was that they were going to unify, oh, these things will run Max. These things are run Max software because it has an M in the name. 
Uh, well, Apple were not long in knocking that one on the head. Uh, Greg Joswiak, in an interview, put that one to bed pretty darn sharpish. And no, folks, we're not bringing the two product lines together. They are different. They do different things. They are four different things. Yeah. Unfortunately, Apple's spring loaded event started referring to my wallet as they announced. Are you in the market for a new iPad? Uh, my my new iPad has been ordered. Yes. Oh. oh, oh okay. Yes. Uh, yes. I w- I was in the market before it ever came out because I've I did not do the last two upgrades, so I was definitely in the market for a new one, and this is this this is why I was holding out. So, were you happy with what Apple had to say? Uh, yeah, from what I've, I mean, you know, you're never going to know until you have your hands on it, but. Um, yeah, the, you know, the M1 was sort of unexpected and a nice touch, regardless of which one of us is right on the prior discussion. Uh, the, the the mini uh, LED uh, screen was something that I was hoping for, wasn't, you know, that had been rumored, and that was one of the things that was holding me off. Um, right. So now I'm, I'm looking for what should be an even better screen than what I have, which and I, what I've got is great. Yeah. It's going to have a lot more power. I mean, it will... It it will be at the top of the heap for a while. And the best thing about it, I think, is that with something like this, I have a hard time seeing this be a machine I'm going to want to replace, you know, one or two iterations down. I could could be wrong, and it always depends on what they bring out next. But Mm -hmm. this should last. This should be one of those machines that lasts for a while. The iPads have had that strange last ability from day one because it's been a thing where people have been saying that iPad sales are slow because everyone... Uh, sorry, not everyone. Many analysts assumed that the replacement cycle on the iPad would be iPhone-like. You'd keep it for a year or two. But in actual fact, the replacement cycle on the iPads has turned out to be Mac-like, that you keep it for three, four, five years. Because I'm only on my third iPad, I think. Maybe my fourth. What? But I've had iPads for a very, very, very long time, and I have not had many of them. Yeah. No, and, and I don't... I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the iPad as it has iterated, but it feels like there have been less of those, I really, really need that feature. You know, they've been, it has been more iterative. The, mm. the iPhone, on the other hand, it's come with a better camera, which is something we all use all the time. Um, first, there was Touch ID, then there was Face ID. And again, those are things that, yeah, I, I really want that. And I mean, a funny thing last the other night, I was thinking uh, about my laptops, and I, I have an an old an old iPad Air, and I find I really, really, really miss, miss the Touch ID. Uh-huh. And so yeah. you know, and the same thing with with an old iPhone that I have uh, that I started using for a, a, a tertiary project, that it doesn't have. Face ID, and so it's like, gee, this is a real hassle to hit this yeah. darn little thing, and you know, have to train my my finger and all. And so, those are the kind of things that I think push the iPad into, excuse me, the iPhone into a much more frequent upgrade cycle. The iPad hasn't seen quite some of those things that made that huge everyday kind of difference to people. So, I think that's why they've held on or haven't done the upgrades. Yeah, and at the same time, when you do do an upgrade. It's always very pleasing how much it's moved along. But like you say, each individual step doesn't seem gigantic. But when you take them together after a few years, it is a very noticeable upgrade. Because I went from the very first iPad Pro to the one before the current one 
and that was a very pleasing upgrade. And I'm not at the market for this upgrade and probably not for next year's, but when I do the one after that, I'm imagining I'll be very pleased again. Yeah. I just want to mention on this, I only have one comment. I have a close friend who does artwork Mm -hmm. and has a 2013 iPad. And she she has just ordered one of these and I can't wait to see it in her hands and see what she does with it. That means she hasn't been using pencil and stuff. Correct. Correct. She does a lot of... She does a lot of um, working with photos and, you know, affinity photo and that kind of thing. But she also is able to do like real artwork. So this is going to be fun to watch this move. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to, I would love to be see there, to be there to witness her first experience on that machine. She's going to love that thing to pieces. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, we are down to five minutes left because I literally have uh, dessert in the oven and I am not going to let it burn and I'm going to go eat it. So wrapping things up, um, Apple also released a bunch of new Apple Watch bands. Um, and then we have a few quick stories to round out the show. The M1 Mac Mini got a little teeny tiny upgrade. You can now get a gigabit Ethernet port on it. Apple have updated their clips app so you can have augmented reality effects, assuming you have an appropriate iPhone. Uh, Apple are rolling out a refined version of their App Store search. Currently, it is rolling out in the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Australia. Uh, Apple are committing to invest $430 billion with a B in US jobs for the next five years. And uh, you can get more Apple Care Plus for your Mac, including extending it beyond three years. Currently, that is available in Australia, Canada, Germany, Japan, the United Kingdom, and the United States of America. Uh, anything there anyone feels we need to comment on before I wrap up the show? Just that that investment in the U.S. is very interesting, and I'm not saying this is why they did it, but it could help them politically with some of the brouhaha that goes on in Congress and Apple. Especially if they spread it across all the states. <laughs> They're in a number of states, red and blue. Yeah, that that is wise. That is very wise. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's a lot of money. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, nearly half a trillion. Um, okay, folks, thank you very much for giving so freely of your time. I've taken almost two hours of your time. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, in no particular order, Chuck, would you like to let the good listeners know where they can hear and see more of your work? Sure. Um, MacVoices.com is where you can find me. We talk to lots of really interesting people. And on Tuesday nights, we do Mac Voices Live on YouTube, um, where we get a panel together and debate whatever is on everyone's minds. Sometimes the topics are pre-planned and sometimes they come right out of left field. That's frankly more usually what happens more. Um, and you can find me on social media as at Chuck Joyner. Thanks for having me, Bart. It's great to be here. Yeah, my pleasure, Chuck. And I just want to actually give a little plug out. Um, you did a recent three-part episode with Glenn Fleischman, and uh, I was absolutely riveted throughout. So I just want to give a, you know, I mean, look, your content is always good, but I extra enjoyed that three-part conversation. So just a, a hat tip there. That was that was really cool. Thank you. But Glenn gets all the credit. He is he is a machine. And um, yeah, but Chuck, when, when Glenn speaks, you want to listen. Yeah, but it takes a good questioner to get that out of people. Don't don't sell yourself short. Do not sell yourself short. Actually, I I honestly, Chuck, and I'm not just saying this because you're here. Your your line of questioning was superb because every time I was about to say, "Oh, I hope Chuck asks," you did. It was like you were reading my mind, only back in time. 
So that's kind of impressive of you. Uh, but I said, Thank no, you. it's Thank genuinely you. really good conversations. Thank you. Uh, Linda, where can people uh, find out more about you and also plug your Mac user group, please? Mac user group is the most important part. Um, SVMUG stands for Silicon Valley Mac user group. So S-V-M-U-G um, dot org. And um, we meet people can come watch remotely and also there's YouTube stuff about our episodes. So take a look at the website if you're at all interested. And I believe on Twitter, I am LLG for CDG, but I will say I'm not on a lot. So ping me if you, if need be, but the mug is the best way. The Mac user group. Excellent. Okay, folks. Uh, thank you again. Um, you will find detailed show notes at lets-talk.ie. Next to those show notes is a a header called support the show with big blue buttons to allow you to do just that. I want to thank everyone who has ever and continues to support the show. There is a Patreon link for making a regular continued contribution. That is what keeps the lights on. There are no sponsors, no advertisers. This is a 100% listener-supported show. It exists because you guys rock and you absolutely do there's also a paypal button for making one-off donations which is extremely useful for when i need to buy new hardware and stuff and um actually due to a new desk i kind of need a new boom arm for my mic so i'm hoping a few people click the paypal button because um my desk is bigger than it used to be and my boom arm doesn't quite reach my mouth so i have to lean over too far which is slightly annoying anyway Thank you to everyone who ever has supported the show. Show notes at lessestalk.ie. I'm your host, Bart Bouchard, so you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, my name is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS at InTouchYOS.com with my co-host, Warren Sklar. We talk about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. We also have some great Apple guests from the Apple community that also talk to us uh, relating to any tips, any apps, any news of the day, anything that's going on with Apple. Please give us a listen. Our website is InTouchWithIOS.com.